Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today we're joined by Lee Ryder, Mark Douglas and Chris Wolf. And it is the day of uh, the fixture release and we'll start with you Lee on the fixtures. What's your kind of first take of, of it? Obviously we've started home to Spurs. It's, for Newcastle it's a good start. I think, you know, Tottenham at home is a game they can win, you know, in front of a full house. Rafa will be well up for the tactical battle. He'll be keen to, you know, show people that he's back as a manager and Newcastle are back in the Premier League. I think it's a good first opening fixture. And then obviously after that, Huddersfield and West Ham, great opportunity to get six points. Won't be easy at Huddersfield, but you know, Newcastle coped very well with their tactics down there last time. Three one win. So yeah, I'm I'm pleased with the start of the season. I think it's gonna be good and uh you know, just count down the days now to, to that first one against Tottenham. And Chris, obviously the last time Spurs arrived at St James's it was the 5-1 victory where we saw maybe the best and worst side of Alexander Mitrovic. We saw the best of the crowd, the best of Rafa. Spurs will maybe want a bit of revenge. I think there's some fans on, on Twitter especially are still are still uh, a bit hurt at that result even though it was so long ago. Yeah, I know that Pochettino was certainly very annoyed by the result. He said that even deep into the summer he was still getting very frustrated by that and I think that they will want to exact some revenge but then again Newcastle are now back in the Premier League they want to make a statement and on the first home game of the season I expect it to be a, a really really big occasion huge uh, sellout crowd massive occasion and uh, with playing against Newcastle are playing against a team who finished second last season it's going to be very tough but this is why Newcastle want to be back in this league. You want these big occasions. Rafa wants to test himself. He wants a squad capable of t- of being able to deal with such occasions, particularly at St James's Park. So I expect a really, really uh, tight opening first game. I think Newcastle could even surprise a few people. Fantastic. Mark, obviously after that Spurs game, there's, there's people would say five winnable games come after. Obviously every game in the Premier League is a very tough fixture, but that is a nice little run-in to welcome Newcastle back to the top flight. Yeah, I think um, I don't think you would have wanted too many of the, the big teams away from home at that start of the season. It probably would have been uh, uh, typical Newcastle luck to kind of to kind of get a Manchester United, a Manchester City, 
um, away in those early games. I think actually they're pretty, uh, they, they look winnable. You know, Huddersfield, that's going to be interesting because that's their first first home game. I mean, it's, it's an even bigger occasion for them. Uh, and we, we saw at the start of last season, Huddersfield made a really good start to last season. So you can't take anything for granted. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a real opportunity there for Newcastle to kind of dig their, uh, dig their heels in and, and, and really get points on the board, which is what it's about, you know. We saw with Steve McLaren, it became such a gruelling season because they didn't manage to get that win. It wasn't until kind of October, Sunderland of successive seasons. I mean, they flirted with danger last few seasons, obviously went down this season. But, you know, they hadn't won a game for in August, then won a game in September. You need to get off to a decent start um, because it just settles the nerves. So, um, so yeah, opportunities there for Newcastle. I mean, West Ham at home, you know, I'd, I'd fancy Newcastle's chances if they get the players in that Rafa wants. I'd fancy them to get sort of six points maybe from those first three games is is a believable chart, a target. Four will be a good minimum boundary, and obviously if they get all nine, then absolute, that's absolute dreamland. But um, you know they want to get at least four points, I think, from those first three games. Definitely, Lee. How important is it to, to, to get that start and to, to start well in the league? Well, I mean, if you get nine out of nine points, then that's manager of the month territory, isn't it? Really for Rafa, <laughs> but you know he won't be getting carried away. I think you know you mentioned there about. How strong Tottenham are! I think was it not something on Sky Sports the other week where they added up both the last two years' league tables and Tottenham were like top by yeah. you know a great distance. So I think that that will be tough, but you know six points out of nine is certainly achievable. I think uh, for for Newcastle, really they need to get points ticked off. It didn't happen as you say on McLaren. I think the way it was the ninth game. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's a long time in a season. You know, you you're looking at getting forty points as your first target. Whether you know people say that publicly or not at the club, I, I don't know. And then after that, you try and build on it. So you've got to try and get a good quarter of that before Christmas, and you know make sure you're on the road to to safety. And I think you know Rafa will he'll not be getting too carried away with, with the season but he'll be making sure they've got that, that first target done and dusted it's quite interesting isn't it the season because the way it with the internationals in particular the way that that seat starts obviously in the championship Newcastle had a bad start but because there were so many games they got a chance to put it right virtually straight away there's only three games before an international break so you kind of almost you know it, it becomes like a little bit stop start that start of the season so you do need to get a win because I think Sunderland saw it last season where they they just they ran you know they they were kind of like they were going for so long um, without kind of you know regular games. I mean there was before their kind of running at the end of the season. I think they only had one game in about four weeks. It is a bit more like that. The, the, the Premier League, so you do need to get points on the board, board early. So it's good that they've got West Ham and Huddersfield, which are two winnable games. I'm sure they'll they'll feel the same the other way, but um, you know, Newcastle be confident with that start. Chris, um, you know these games that come after obviously Spurs, Huddersfield, West Ham, Swansea, Stoke, Brighton. They're the kind of teams that Newcastle will will be battling with and will want to to beat to, to ensure Premier League safety. Hundred percent, as Lee says, the target first and foremost is about survival. Rafa says he wants to compete in the Premier League, and no doubt, eventually, that's what he wants to do further. But any any team who's outside the top seven now, realistically, in the Premier League, has to just first and foremost get away from that. We saw teams like West Ham get dragged into it last year. What's interesting is for the first three months, Newcastle only play two sides from last year's top six. They've got the opportunity to start well before a very, very difficult uh, festive period and a very, very difficult end of the season. Last six games are very tough. So it is it is imperative, really, that they start well. 
traditionally uh, Rafa Benitez's teams have actually got better in the second half of the season but I think that he's going to be looking and seeing that the first three months we really get some points on the board because uh, it can give you momentum to, in a springboard to do well we saw, we saw the season Newcastle finished fifth they started the season very well carried that momentum through and that it really can propel you on West Ham saw the same a couple of years ago as well Definitely and what's going to help obviously Benitez get that good start is the players that he wants to bring in obviously the past couple of days has still up a few questions about that um, with regards to potential takeover or additional investments. Um, so we are here on Wednesday, the news was uh, announced on Monday. Lee, what's your the latest in the sand you've got with the whole kind of takeover additional investment situation? Well, I think it's been bubbling around in the background for a while. I think when the managing director goes to, uh, to China for 10 days, he's missing in action on time, so for 10 days... <laughs> and he's in China then you just get the feeling that it might be something a little bit more than just a sponsor did come back and deliver the sponsor Newcastle were looking for they've got a really big investment already in the bag you know all the you know you don't just speak to one person if you go there for you know nine ten days and I think really if there is somebody who's got money to put in I think Mike Ashley he'll probably take it he's he's a businessman he's there to make money Uh, I don't know if he'll appreciate somebody else interfering with the, with his football club I don't know he didn't want that when Freddie Shepard was there so that'll be interesting to see how the dynamics of it work this, whoever it is may be a hands off kind mm. of customer and they'll just put the money in and, and sit back and see if they, 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 can, they can invest but if it was a full on takeover I think then that would be the bigger news uh, it looks like it's only going to be a fraction if at all it does happen uh, but you know as always as journalists we're you know we're, we're putting the calls in we're trying to find out what's happening and Newcastle don't want to say very much about it so and of course why if it was a takeaway it would potentially be coming at the worst possible time because it, it, it just doesn't happen overnight it can take months you know to, to sort out with the due diligence and all, all what you have and that would be the best the best use for Rafa I think I think it really just depends on what on what we're talking about but I think the way the Lee the way that Lee is uh, has mentioned there, you know, if it is if it is somebody coming in as a partner, as if it is somebody coming in with looking to make an investment, which we have seen quite a lot of in the Premier League in the last two years, the last significant investments have been um, Everton, where it was forty nine point nine percent was sold, which was a controlling stake, but it wasn't the full the full amount. Um, and there was also Palace, where there was two American businessmen came in, uh, Dave Blitzer and um, Josh, I can't remember his second name, but uh, they came in and just basically put money into the club. But Steve Parrish was still the, still the kingmaker there as well. So it's quite interesting because I think basically if Newcastle was taken over and the, the fee was £400 million, that would be the most anybody had spent on a football club in England since Manchester United when they were taken over by the Glazers and the Glazers were t- t- obviously it was leveraged by that so it wasn't their own money uh, that was put in so that kind of gives you an idea of the scale of what we're talking about here you know it wouldn't be like some it, it's not like Wolves getting taken over for 30 million or you know potentially kind of a you know a team getting taken over for 5 10 million it's a 400 million pound investment before you even start you know that is that would be absolutely huge if if it happens that would be the biggest takeover in English football since Manchester United in terms of actual finance. Um, so I just can't I can't I, I'm skeptical about whether it's actually going to happen. Um, so I think Newcastle just have to get on with it. Uh, Rafa has to get on with it. He has to get on with it with the budget that he had. Um, and I think that's what he, I think that's what they're trying to do. I, I, I'm not. I don't think it will disrupt. The only way that I would be worried about it was was if it was a kind of you know 
sort of smokescreen a little bit for, for not investing, but I don't think it is that. Um, I know a lot of fans are kind of sceptical about Mike Ashley's motives, but um, if he didn't want to invest, he would have just told Rafa Benitez, I'm not investing, and Rafa Benitez would have would have walked out. Um, I think, you know, that, that would have happened. I, I don't think Mike Ashley is particularly bothered, would have been particularly bothered about um, upsetting. You know, he wouldn't have tried to keep Rafa here because I think he knows that Rafa had to have certain assurances he gave he gave them to him so you know I don't think it's I don't think the takeover is going to have a massive impact on what happens this summer I think what's more having an impact on what happens this summer is the fact that this is a really difficult market for all teams you can see it and I think that's that's the problem I mean players have options there's a lot of money floating about and I just think it's not as easy as last season when Newcastle were the biggest fish in a smaller pond now they're a kind of medium-sized fish in a in a you know quite a big pond and, and with a lot of other big clubs and they're just having to wait and it's it's frustrating for Rafa it's frustrating for us but that, that's just the way it is it's just a really difficult market um, and that's how it is. Going to the market in a second obviously with Pickford heading certain for 30 million but just staying on the, the whole additional investment, Chris, what's your understanding? Was Benitez maybe told about something along those lines last month when he when he met with Ashley, do you, do you think? Well, I think, as Lee says, it's been bubbling for quite a while and in general just there has. Regularly you get people who supposedly have an interest in a football club through intermediaries or whatever will say or might be interested in investing. This happens fairly regularly with a lot of clubs, particularly from uh, China and, the, and the, uh, also from the USA. I think Benitez was given a, a little indication that, the, that there might be some potential interest, but I don't think he knew any of, of what was likely to come out this week that, that it would potentially reach the level that it has done. Um, but as, as far as we're aware, he has since been reassured that the mess from the this is supposed to come from the club is that it, it's business as usual. Look, this is what's going on outside, but we continue to look for transfers. We've put all the effort in already. The budget remains the same. Every last penny, as Mike Ashley said uh, last month, Rafa will get to spend from what he earned from promotion, also from potential player sales. Now I know fans are getting a little bit frustrated because we still have only seen Christian Atsu come through the door, but the transfer window only opened last Friday. It's still a very early stage, and if there's one person you want to put faith in in this department, it, it is Rafa Benitez. And I think that if there was real frustrations, you would we would soon know about it. And I think at this stage, we're not quite there yet. Interestingly, you can see why potential investors would be interested in Newcastle Premier League football. Obviously, Benitez. How key is Benitez to to any potential investor? Well, I think he's very important because he's you know he's one of these sort of global figures in the game where no matter who you are in football, you know you've heard of Rafa Benitez. There's obviously the Liverpool link, the Chelsea link. He's a big name. Obviously, he needs to be backed properly, and I think it would be great if the you know, that's the dream ticket. If there's someone with a lot of money to invest that, they just give Rafa a kitty and say, you know, go shop, that'd be fantastic. You know, let him let him do what he does best. There's probably things that he wants to do at the minute that he can't do because of restrictions with wages. You know, you look at some of the wages that Newcastle players are on, the average wage, it's nowhere near what, what Premier League clubs are offering. You know, Bournemouth being the big example with Defoe. You know how do Bournemouth have a hundred thousand pounds, hundred thousand a week to spend on one player because they've been in the Premier League for twelve months? Newcastle haven't, so it's it's going to be it's going to be a tough market for Rafa to operate in. But as I say, if there's someone out there with with the money to inject, then that might change a lot of things. It'd be great to see Newcastle push on. I mean, Manchester City's obviously the 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 big dream, isn't it? You know. How they could when they were getting relegated to third flight, 
they would never have expected to be like lifting, seeing in their lifetime lifting the Premier League trophy. You know, you'd love that to happen to Newcastle in many ways, but they seem a long way from that at the moment. Well, is it a case, I and mean, some fans have said this, that it is kind of better the devil you know? Mike Ashley's kind of now mellowed in his, his approach, he looks like he's back, and everything just seems right. So, would it be a case that you know, someone comes in and that maybe changes direction and everything goes back, back, back up, kind of? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because, you know, Mike Ashley, you know, while he has probably been better in the last 12 months, I mean, January was a confusing and bewildering and, and potentially destabilising time. I mean, you know, another, a more hair-trigger manager would have potentially walked out or certainly created problems uh, in January after what happened. I think, you know, Rafa felt that he was you know, misled a little bit on what was happening in January. So, you know, Mike Ashley hasn't been completely perfect the last... 12 months but I think he's definitely I think the thing about Mike Ash he's probably not as bad as it seemed he, he's not as bad as it seemed when his popularity was really low but I don't think he's ever you know I, I personally don't think the Newcastle under his ownership are ever going to be long term top four unless um, unless he basically Rafa is given a complete carte blanche to go and do do what he, what, what he, what he can and, and you know I still have question marks over where Mike Ashley sees Newcastle in the next few years is he ambitious is does he want you know is he is he interested in kicking Newcastle on or is it really more about just kind of like keeping them you know we say that they are in a much better place than they were 12 months ago but there's still loads that needs to be done at Newcastle you know they need to start thinking like a, a big club on and off the pitch um, Rafa's the first start of that process but you know there's still a lot of things at Newcastle the academy, for example, you know, the training ground. I mean, the training ground is, you know, it's, it's a good training ground. It's a nice facility, but you compare it to like Liverpool, you compare it to Arsenal. Those places are like, you know, Manchester City now or have a, a football campus. They have their own mini. This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Stadium, you know, these are clubs, you know, light years ahead of Newcastle. So, you know, for all that Mike Ashley has done better, I think that if somebody can come in and has real money real money and wants to invest in infrastructure and invest in Newcastle United and invest in the city as a whole as Manchester City's owners have done as you know other other owners have done as well then you know that would be absolutely huge and and it would be a positive thing so you know yeah if they're getting a kind of you know a, a kind of tyre kicker then you know then it's bad news but if you're coming in and paying Mike Ashley 400 million pounds for the club I think it's safe to say that you're not messing about um, if somebody's coming in and spending that kind of money, then they're going to have more money on top of that to to do something. So I think it would be really exciting if that happens, but I'm sceptical. I think Mike Ashley will still be here in a few years' time, and I think it will be down to Rafa being a really good manager if they kick on, which I think is possible. So you know, no, you don't. It's not like Mike Ashley's still here. Newcastle are going to be in a disaster zone because as long as Rafa's there, 
you know they've got somebody who's absolutely fantastic at the helm of the football club and they can overachieve um, and Rafa wants to do that doesn't he fantastic so it's kind of wait and see we'll move on to the market now obviously uh, you mentioned Bournemouth and paying Jermaine Defoe £100,000 we pick that off to Everton there's some extortionate fees about it and it, everyone was talking about how Rafa when he comes in it's going to have this Rafa effect he can pick up the phone and persuade most people to come and sign from but we've seen in the last week especially with uh, Ruben Semino that that isn't necessarily the, the case so Chris what, what at the moment um, is Rafa's kind of approach in the transfer market well, it's interesting you say about the, the fees because uh, a few people have asked me do I think that Jordan Pickford's worth thirty million pounds. Well, to be honest with you, I don't know, and I don't think most people know what a decent fee is at the moment. the The market is all over the place. It hasn't levelled out at all, and and I think for the next couple of years, that's what we're going to see. And thirty million pound for a young goalkeeper who looks like he's going to be the future England number one probably is actually a reasonable fee in the current market. But as I say, as Lee said, wages are huge now as well. It's not just fees you've got to look at in the in the Premier League. The the money that's come into it. You, you, players almost get stuck within the Premier League once they're there they can't necessarily go to other big European clubs because the wages are so high and uh, that's what Musa Sissoko is probably going to find a problem if he does want to leave this this summer from Spurs where can he possibly go because a lot of the big European clubs won't pay the wages he wants so he's going to have to probably take a pay cut in terms of the way Rafa is approaching it we know that he is looking into loan deals as well Tammy Abraham's one other clubs he's, he's, he's put feelers out to basically all of the top seven clubs and made it clear that any of their youngsters or uh, some of their fringe players who they might not necessarily want who would do a very good job for Newcastle he would be interested in but also it's, a, it's probably going to have to be shopping abroad we know he has ex- extremely very good contacts both in Spain and Italy and elsewhere in Europe. He's leaning on them heavily. He's trying to find out some bargains, the likes of hopefully Lejeune will hopefully come in, players like that, whereby these they're not on that extortionate wages that necessarily people are within the Premier League here. And you are taking a, a little bit of a gamble, unfortunately, hoping that they are going to come in and do the job in the Premier League. But if there's one person who is able to identify that talent and bring them in and, and get them sorted and ready for that first day of the season, it is Rafa. And Lee, obviously, Chris has just mentioned Tammy Abraham. There, this has been going on for quite a few weeks. I think everyone thought it was it was going to be kind of signed, sealed, and delivered. But he is taking his time, and a lot of Newcastle fans aren't very happy at the moment with that. No, I think they, you know, want to want to see this deal done. For me, I, I was thinking at the start of the week, if he hasn't given them a decision before he goes away with England under twenty ones, that that was that that's a worry. You know that he's he's still not convinced that Newcastle's a club for him it should be a no-brainer in terms of size of club but maybe there's an England that somebody else could be in for him um, these these players all the time they listen to the agents they almost do the thinking for them and then they just tell them where to go it's very rare you get a Matt Ritchie you know or a Dwight Gale that can see what Newcastle United is and what it's about and what the fan base is and unfortunately um, young Tammy obviously can't see that at the minute he might well prove it wrong and when he gets back say yep I'll, I'll take the Newcastle loan deal and see where we go from there but you know, by that time Newcastle may have moved on there may be other targets so and they might not be able to guarantee game time so we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens but it's disappointing to see some of the deals they've tried to do haven't quite come off there is work going on in the background but they haven't uh, got, got who they want yet I'm saying obviously with the work going on in the background there's a few questions about Lee Charnley, 
few reports that there's been a few delays at, at his end that have maybe caused the Abraham deal not to go through. Is that a bit unfair one, Charlie? Is it just the fact that the transfer window has literally just opened? Well, I mean, it's a funny one with Lee Charlie, isn't it? Because he can, um, we've seen uh, from the last year, I think he did some really good business in the last uh, last summer, um, in particular getting rid of players and, and bringing in some players as well. He moved really quickly. Um, you know, I think there is there is a kind of you know, a fairly or unfairly, a reputation that kind of follows him around that he um, that he is a little bit, you know, can sometimes it, things can drag on a little bit with him. I know that you know that there was a feeling kind of when Rafa was actually confirmed for the second time that that was kind of left with him, uh, and it went on for a week, ten days, I think it was, and it, it didn't. It and I think Rafa's people were kind of like you know were ready to just you know announce it straight away, and it didn't. It didn't happen. Um, you know, it's way too early to be kind of slagging off Lee Charnley for not getting deals done on June the um, what is it today, fourteenth. Way too early to be to be having a go. You know, I mean, I think in the past there's definitely been room for criticism of some of the way they've operated, but there's also been massive room for praise. I mean, last summer they went and got Matt Ritchie, they went and got Dwight Gale, spent a bit spent a bit more than they should have done on those players. The January before he did some really good deals. It's you know, it, like I think. For all that Lee Charney gets a lot of criticism, you know, you, you have to look at it at the end of the at the end of the summer because there probably is like there probably are a few little worries uh, out there that he's he's not doing his business. But you know, look if if they get to the end of January, if they get to the end of the summer, sorry, and they've got the players in, it, it doesn't really matter how long it's taken at this point. You know, I I kind of feel with Lee Charney, he's kind of damned if he does and damned if he he doesn't. You know, because he his his job just never stops. He's got to keep. You know, rolling on There's so many things for Newcastle to do, but you know, we'd all like it to be done a bit quicker. We'd like pre-season to be confirmed, to be perfectly honest. But you know, like, you know, he's a guy who, for all of his for all of his critics, Rafa kind of trusts him. So I think at the moment, you know, you just have to kind of wait and see. And if at the end of the season, if at the end of the summer, sorry, they haven't signed the players, then we'll go down and, and do a bit of a deep dive. But I think it's a bit too early to be climbing in on Lee Charnley and uh, criticizing him at the moment, to be honest. That's an obviously just there's a few loan players back now. Uh, Rob Moore on Twitter asks if Sim uh, Dijon has a future at Newcastle. Chris, where do you see that one one going? It's an interesting one. We've spoken about this before, and he struggled in the first half of the season on loan, just trying to find a bit of fitness. Second half, he had a, a real purple patch, scored quite a few goals, did pretty well uh, back in the Eredivisie. Do I see him being a first team starter in the Premier League next season for Newcastle United? Almost certainly not. Do I see him having a role to play? Possibly. I think, first of all, it depends how much progress Newcastle can make in the transfer market. We know Rafa wants seven to 12 players, if possible, and it will depend how many of those they can get through in what has proven to be quite a frustrating market. I think De Jong is someone who could come into the side and do a role as a bit part player. He has a goal in him. Um, can he last a full Premier League season physically? I think there's a lot of doubts about that. So he's someone who I, I think could be here possibly for the first six months of the season. Then maybe he's going on loan and January or something like that. But I think that there is, is a role for him, but not as a, a first-team starter. Fantastic. And just to finish, obviously, with the potential takeover additional investment, we've been looking through some of the previous links that have been made down the years, and there's been some, some quite wacky ones, mainly uh, the WWE one, which always gets fans talking. I mean... You guys, Mark and Lee, would have been here for that one back in 2009. What, what do you remember about that that link? Well, to be totally honest, I approached WWE and uh, they were... Is it WWE? Is that, yeah, the, is yeah. that the wildlife, is it? Or the... <laughs> yeah, I'm the not right sure. One, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
I approached them and they were really helpful, but obviously they were prepared to give as much information out as possible, but it didn't really materialise in anything. They said there wasn't any real concrete interest. I think maybe they'd tested the water a little bit. I think they invited me to the wrestling at the arena, (laughs) which which I'm not really interested in, but I know a lot of people are, so I'm not going to... Not going to offend any wrestling fans, but that would have been yeah, absolutely, you know, in keeping with the madness that is Newcastle United. It was um, I I did a, a piece the other a few weeks ago, just sort of saying stuff that was stranger than fiction, and um, a wrestling journalist in America, Dave Meltzer, told me that it was Shane McMahon who was part of a consortium that was interested in buying a British football club and Newcastle United one of the clubs. So they go I think what happens when they go through stuff like that, if they're interested, the consortium kind of go through these middlemen who are like, oh well, you know, there might be some interest they might be able to get him there, him there. So don't think it was ever like but I mean, imagine that. That would have been absolutely ridiculous. But there was some seriously like you know, was it Derek Lambayas who kind of said that they they started to ask people to invest in a box, didn't they? They asked them to pay for a box for the whole season to get rid of the tie kickers. Because he usually said it was like loads I think of people. It was five time. years, a five-year list five on year, a box, yeah. and which would yeah. have been tens of thousands, wouldn't it? Because there was a few. I mean, you know, if you look look through the uh, the old newspapers, you'll see that there was in two thousand nine. There was a lot of stories of possible takeover, and you know, some people do approach the media and and say that they're interested, but. It, I mean, Michael Knighton's the famous one yeah. at Manchester United, isn't it? When he was on the pitch, yeah, doing the kick-ups, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it turned out to be absolutely nothing, didn't yeah. it? I mean, some people are on an ego trip. They want to be. They, they think it's fashionable to be linked with a football club, and uh, so sadly, it doesn't always work out that way because you don't really make much money off football these days. I reckon if you if, you, if it's going to be somebody serious, it's going to happen pretty quickly, um, and it'll just be like you know. Four hundred million pounds to buy Newcastle United is a heck of a lot of money in the current economic climate, isn't it? You know, and and the Chinese investors, although there's some there's some that have come in and you know and have taken over football clubs, they haven't necessarily then plunged a whole load of money into those clubs. I mean, West Brom was taken over by Chinese investors last summer, and everybody was saying, "Oh, well, that's Tony Pulis gone. We're still there." And all they all they did in January was buy Jake Livermore from. It wasn't exactly. It's not exactly. You know, that wasn't exactly a kind of some big, massive investment, was it? It was a sort of a much more. Uh, you know, and, and I don't think Newcastle fans will be sort of, you know, particularly interested if somebody comes in and it's just about running. The, you know, running the club. It has to be a game-changing takeover. Otherwise, there's not much point in it happening. You know, it's just a kind of change of custodian. You know, I mean, the two Milan clubs have been t- had Chinese takeovers mm. recently, though, and they have. Yeah, had significant investment. I mean, AC Milan are throwing money about like it's going out of fashion. AC Milan are starting to do the same. The issue there was AC Milan's takeover bid took months and months mm. and months. It looked at, at points that it wasn't going to happen. As we say at this stage, we don't know who or what mm. exactly it is. We don't know if they are interested in coming in just investing and whether there would be big funds behind it. So you could get a West Brom situation, you could get an AC Milan situation, or we could get no situation at all at this stage. Yeah. And, and, and of course, it can go really wrong as well, Connor. Yeah. You know. Poor Cardiff City end up changing the colours of the strip to uh, red to, yeah. to please the chairman. You know it it can go terribly wrong. And you know I know Lee Clark at Birmingham had issues with it was Chinese take yeah. takeover, and you can't get hold of anybody. You can't make signings. It can go really badly wrong. I know the Premier League are trying to change the rules now so they can eliminate that kind of 
you know, take over. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But you know, for for once, I think this week Mike Ashley's probably had more uh, positive comments yeah. than, uh, <laughs> than ever before. So it's it's interesting how people react. That when you follow a football club, you you learn more each time, don't you? And I think the fans know that. You know, Mike Ashley pulling out and somebody coming in who's hasn't got a clue is. Uh, be a big problem. I mean, Wolves is a great example, isn't it? Because th- those guys at, at Wolves do have genuine money, but they they don't know anything about football, so they've put um, George Mendes in charge of everything, haven't they? And it's like it's it's just ridiculous. It's like when Doncaster, I mean, you know, not on the same scale. Doncaster had Willie Mackay doing the transfers. You know, the problem is they come in, a Chinese a consortium comes in, they're going to need somebody who really knows their football um, to come in and do a job, or or alternatively, they probably just keep the people in place for the time being. It's a complete minefield. It is absolutely, you know, I, I I don't know the takeover sort of thing. Newcastle missed the boat, didn't they? Really, because if Abramovich or Sheikh Mansour had taken over Newcastle United right now, we'd be talking about Newcastle Champions League regulars week, you know, year in year out. Um, but I mean, you know, they, they can still build it organically, can't they? You know, and I think that's what they will get boring that being in the Champions <laughs> yeah. League every, you know, but we'll. Yeah, I mean, Man, Man City's the greatest example, isn't it? I mean, they must pinch themselves yeah. sometimes, Manchester City fans, but I still believe you get the odd moan from people who want to be back at Main Road. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. well, that, that's the truth, though, isn't it? Because, like, they, you know, they, they, their fans say it's become a bit soulless at, yeah. at the Etihad. But again, the thing with the Man City one was that literally happened overnight. This is usually, if there is a huge bid like that, you wouldn't find out about it at this tentative stage it would usually be either negotiations are far along the line or it is actually happening yeah, Mike Ashley was the same when he first bought the shares off Sir John Hall and I think that that's why that there is more caution about what's going on at the moment it seems very much as if they're almost smoking out to see if there is any other interest yeah. as well I was just about asking that why why, is, why do you think it's come up now if, you know, if Benitez was told the bits about it last month and obviously when Lee, was, Lee Charlie was out in China why, why do you think it has come out you know, this week is it is it a case that he is trying just to just well? I, th- I think I think it's probably two four. I think first of all, it probably is a fishing trip to a certain degree. See if there is any interest out there from people he hasn't necessarily spoken to. Who now know that Newcastle could potentially be on the market, and I also think it's for the, for anyone who has registered an interest at the minute to see if that interest holds out now that it has become potentially public. That will be a real test of the waters. See whether there is genuine interest or whether it is just tentative, and I think that the, I think it. it there's a reason why it's come out now, and I think that has a large part to do with it. Fantastic and good feeling, you know. Come, <coughs> you know, come 2018, January 2018, will Mike Ashley be the, the sole manager in charge of Newcastle United? Personally, I would say yes at this stage. Lee, yeah, I still think he'd be there or thereabouts, but you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Mark yourself? Yeah, I think I, I I just think he will be. I don't think there'll be um, I don't think there'll be any massive change. I think it's going to be. It's going to be about Rafa this season, you know. For all we talk about takeovers, it's going to be about Rafa, just as it was last season, because he's the most important man at the football club. Keeping him was massive, and him managing well in the Premier League is going to be the difference between Newcastle being another relegation battle and sort of being safe and having a you know having a good season, memorable season. Fantastic. Well, there you have it. If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep up with all the latest Newcastle United news, and we'll be back next week. Thank you very much. Hi there, it's Caroline Foran from Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. 
while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to. I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever, so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast, available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts.